I'm grateful this morning to be in the house of the Lord. Welcome this morning. What a joy it is to be able to enter into the presence of the Lord together today and to lift up his name for his name is worthy to be exalted in this house this morning. Amen. Allow me to welcome our online audience this morning. May the Lord richly bless you today. We say thank you for joining us so faithfully uh, week after week and we pray that all is well with you and your family this morning. Well, it's good to be home. Amen. So thankful for the goodness of God and the grace of God. And I can tell you the song they just sung is not just lyrics, but it is something that I know to be true. That no matter where we find ourselves, we are not alone this morning. And I'm so grateful for it. I'm so grateful for your prayers, your support, and, uh, and uh, we are trying to figure out if we're supposed to be awake or asleep. All of those things, I don't really know. You know, you fly a day ahead and then you fly back into yesterday and all of those things and you, uh, you, we'll get there, all right? So just pray for us. And, uh, but God is good. We had a wonderful, wonderful time the last two weeks uh, in the nation of Armenia. And uh, I will tell you today, it is a place where God is doing something fresh, doing something new. Uh, but it isn't without a cost. It isn't without great challenges. And, uh, but we are so grateful uh, for that which God is doing. And we'll talk to you a little bit about that uh, in the future. Uh, but there is some exciting things happening in the world today. I, uh, over the last several days, uh, we have probably traveled more miles than most of you will travel this year. And uh, we did it in two weeks. And, uh, but we give God praise and glory for that. Thankful for his hand of mercy and grace upon us and our team. team was wonderful. And uh, we give God all the praise and the glory for what was accomplished there and what's going to continue to accomplish in that part of the world. But this morning, before we go to class, before we get into the word this morning, I do want to take a moment. My day started this morning. Uh, with uh, a few messages that I received from different people. And uh, our friend, uh, Brother Tom King Jr., uh, they took him to Reed Hospital this morning uh, in severe pain. He needs a touch. He needs a miracle. Uh, And uh, my God is able. He's still in the miracle-working business. And uh, I can stand here today with greater faith, uh, knowing this, that The healing hand of God is not something that is of days gone by, but it's something that is still in operation today, and God is touching and moving. And uh, I believe the word of the Lord. I I enact it. I believe it. I walk it out to the best of my ability. But one of the most precious things that we find in his word is that says where two or three are gathered together, uh, he is present. And uh, there's more than two or three of us today, and I know many of you uh, know Brother Tom. He's been so faithful uh, in ministry. He's uh, really been through it physically for the last few years. Uh, But I believe today can be the day of his miracle in the midst of when it looks like it's the darkest. Can I tell you, I... I, I, last Sunday, a week ago today, I stood in a church that I had been in one other time. I was there and uh, 
we began to minister and the Lord prompted us to preach on healing. I'd never done that on the mission field before, but I did and tried to obey the Lord. And at the end of that service, the front of the building was filled. And all of a sudden I began to see God miraculously began to heal men and women. Can I tell you, it's the same God here as it is there. So to this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand with me one more time this morning, if you would, please. And I want you to just put your hand on your neighbor this morning. And I want you to just come into agreement for our friend, Brother Tom. And we're going to pray for healing power to come to him this morning. Can we do that? Dear dear Heavenly Father, we love you today. I thank you for the privilege to be in your house. I thank you, Lord, for your precious people. And Father, today I just come and I join my faith with theirs. Praying the prayer of faith, believing that you are still doing what is asked of you. And Father, it is by your stripes we are healed today. And Father, we see that Brother Tom's temporal house is, uh, is filled with, uh, with, with pain and, and uncertainty today. But one thing that we do know is that his relationship with you is certain. And Father, today I know he's putting his faith and his trust in you. And Lord, I'm praying that as we come and pray this prayer of faith, believing, Lord, we call healing virtue into his body today. Lord, I pray that there would be no doubt, that there would be no resistance, but Lord, that there would just be a flowing of the Spirit of God that would come into that room where he is this morning. And Lord, I pray for his family. Lord, I pray for the strength of the Holy Spirit to come and overshadow them this morning. Let there be an infusion of strength and faith come into that place today. And Lord, we give you praise and glory and honor for it. In Jesus' name, we pray this prayer. And the church says, amen and amen. Thank you, thank you. You may be seated this morning in presence of the Lord. Those of you going to class, feel free to do so at this time. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to the book of Mark, chapter number one, the gospel of Mark, chapter number one. We're going to read just a few verses together this morning. The Lord would help me today. Uh, I have a lot I could say, but I want to make sure that I say what God wants me to say this morning. And uh, I am asking us to be sensitive to what the Lord would speak to us this morning. Our world today is in need of a drastic shift and change. And that is only going to come by and through the church of Jesus Christ. But in Mark chapter number 1, beginning in verse number 14, I know I just had you all sit down. If you want to stand and honor the word, it's great. If you can, I totally understand this morning. But out of reverence for the word of the Lord, Mark chapter number 1, beginning in verse number 14, we find the following. It says, now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And he was saying this, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Now as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway or immediately they forsook their nets and they followed him. 
for a few moments, I want us to look at verse number 17. And it says, Jesus said unto them, come after me and I will make you to become fishers of men. And verse 18, and immediately they forsook their nets and they followed him. For a few moments today, I want to talk to you about the call and the response. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you once again for your word. I thank you for this privilege to stand in this sacred place today. I'm asking, Lord, for you to anoint me to speak to your people today with anointing, with the authority of your spirit. Not that our ears would hear, but that our spirits would be awakened. And Father, we will give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Today we find ourselves living in a time of acceleration when it comes to prophetic fulfillment of the scriptures. That which has been given to us by the prophets of old, by the revelation of the Holy Spirit is unfolding before our very eyes in such an accelerated manner. You and I today are witnessing across our televisions, across our social media platforms, walking down the streets of our city and in our communities, we are experiencing gross darkness upon our lands. Men have become lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. Paul, in his final words to his spiritual son, Timothy, he found it of great importance to take time and to pen a personal letter to him. And as he began to write a portion of this letter, you find in chapter number three of 2 Timothy, and the first five verses is five that you are very familiar with, but I believe they're worthy of being heard again on this Sunday morning. It says, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedience to parents, unthankful and unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. But he didn't stop there. He wrote just a few more words and he said this, from such, turn away. We see nations have given themselves over to evil in such a way that we are now witnessing the behavior that was present in the days of Noah. We find that there's such a carefree life and there's such a drunkenness on self that we are now witnessing that which was penned in Matthew 24 which was recorded as the words of Jesus himself, saying, for as in that days that there was before the flood, there was eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. And until that day that Noah entered into the ark, no one knew until the flood came and took them all away. He simply says, so shall it be when the Son of Man comes. Can I tell you today, we're nearing the return of our Lord. We are witnessing not only that, but we are also witnessing our own nation. And I say this not from a place of 
passiveness, but I say this from a place of great weight this morning. That we are witnessing our nation turned and transformed into a modern day Sodom and Gomorrah. If you were to read Genesis 19, you would see what all that entails. But there is such a vile, evil mindset today. And all the while that these things are happening, apathy within the church has become the new norm. We today experiencing in the Western Hemisphere a modern day Laodicean church. Revelations chapter 3 tells us what that is. One of the seven churches of Asia Minor was the Laodicean church. And we find that every one of them was addressed specifically. But we find in Revelations chapter 3 verses 14 through 17... It said unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot, and I would that thou were cold or hot, so then that because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. He says, Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and you don't even know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, Blind and naked. We have watched men stand in recent years in the holy place and they have forsaken the call of God and they have led a generation into a place of darkness. We are now witnessing a pandemic, not of a coronavirus, but we have been witnessing it for several years and we still are not awakening to the reality of what's going on in our day And we come into the house of God Sunday morning after Sunday morning and we see a pandemic of no joy and no peace and no power, no desire and no direction for the things of God. Holiness is labeled as tradition. Separation is laughed at and ignored. And the word of God is all but removed from our lives. May I remind you today that it does not matter what the world's opinion is. There is only one thing that's going to remain. Matthew 24 and 35 simply tells us very clearly, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Hearing all of this this morning, we must awaken in this hour. Please forgive me this morning, but Paul said it like this in Romans chapter number 13. And that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on. He didn't say anybody else, but he said let us put on the armor of light. 
Let us walk honestly as in the day and not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strive and envy, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. He also wrote in Ephesians to the church at Ephesus, chapter number 5, verse 14 through 18. He said, Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fool, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. We, the church, must pause this morning and realize we have a responsibility to walk in obedience to the Word of God. We do not have a responsibility to be pleasing to man, but we have a responsibility to answer the call. The responsibility to evangelize the world has not been given to a government. It has not been given to a self-help group, but it has been given to the church of Jesus Christ. You and I today must understand that final words are important. And the final words of Christ before he returned to the throne room of heaven was not to the world, but it was to the church. In Acts chapter number one, if you were to read verses four and five, you would find that he commanded them to go and to tarry at Jerusalem because he said, not many days from now, you will be endued with power from on high. And he simply told them in verse eight the reason for it, so that you could be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. What he was simply saying is this. Uh, he's saying that I'm giving you a charge and a responsibility. I'm giving you a call that is going to require you to respond. Uh, and we get a picture of what that really looks like. And he gave us clear instructions on how we are to be witnesses in our World In Matthew 28, verse number 19, simply says, Go ye therefore into all nations, teaching them, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Uh, you can read Mark chapter number 16, verses 15 through 18, and it says, Go ye into all the world uh, and preach the gospel to every creature. Uh, and he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, uh, but he that believeth not shall shall be damned, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. This commission, my friend, has not changed, nor has it been done away with. But in our text this morning, we find that Simon and Andrew uh, found themselves at a crossroad. Uh, a call was given uh, in Mark chapter 1, verse 17. Uh, Jesus turned to them and looked at them and said, uh, Come ye after me, uh, and I will make you fishers of 
men. In that moment, a response was required. Would they continue to mend their nets? Would they continue to cast their nets in the natural? Would they continue to be about what they had always been up to that point? Or would they hear the call of God? And when they looked at this and they says this, in that moment, there was a conviction of the Holy Spirit where they did not just hear with their natural ear, but in their spirit, there was an awakening. In their spirit, that spirit man heard the call of its creator. And because of that, it says that straightway or immediately, they forsook their nets and they began to follow Jesus. Can I say to you this morning, the basic definition to forsake something simply means to leave entirely or to renounce, meaning it is never going to be part of my life again. Can I tell you this morning, our purpose has not changed, but our purpose is to reach a harvest for the kingdom of God. We are fooling ourselves if we think that we are doing a reasonable service by coming to the house of God every Sunday. I'm glad you're here this morning and I'm thankful that you are. But let me tell you this morning, this is not our reasonable service. This is a place where we come to be edified and equipped. This is a place for us to be encouraged. But it is to equip us not to go back to our nets, but it equips us to forsake those things that we were so that we can become what God has called and ordained us to be, which is fishers of men. Can I tell you, we have done a great disservice in the Western Hemisphere by letting people sit comfortably in the padded pews and the chairs that we have purchased. Because can I tell you this morning, and please do not be offended by this statement, but we are getting people so comfortable that there is no sense of urgency and that there is no focus on eternity any longer. And we are preaching to people. We are leading people in song all the while they're sitting in a place of comfort while they're dying and going to hell. Can I tell you, we have to snap out of this false reality. This is a time of urgency. This is a time of seriousness. Can I tell you, the Bible hasn't changed. He gives us clarity. He tells us very clearly that broad is the way to destruction, but straight and narrow is the road and the gate that leads to eternal life. I wish I could sit here and tell you this morning that just because you come to the house of God that you're gonna make it to heaven. I can't do that this morning. Just because you give an offering doesn't mean you're gonna make it to heaven this morning. Just because you volunteer for this event or that event doesn't make you gonna make it to heaven. I wish that was true, but can I tell you, there was 10 that was pure, but only those that had oil in their lamp went in. Can I tell you, there's a call that's about to be made and not everybody, is going to hear, but I got to tell you there's a sense of urgency in my spirit this morning. It 
takes more than a song. It takes more than goosebumps on your spine. It takes more than hearing a preacher preach a message about prosperity. I'm not against that. But can I tell you, there's got to be a call of repentance. There's got to be a forsaking of some things. Oh, Simon. Oh, Andrew. What are you going to do? I'm walking by today and I'm bidding you to come. But if you choose not to, that's on you. But I'm giving you an invitation. And because of the invitation and the response, if you was to read Mark chapter 1, you'd begin to find that they begin to see the power of God on display. They begin to witness his anointing. They begin to then be filled with his spirit in such a manner that they was a couple of the guys that was in the upper room a little bit later and they helped turn a world upside down because of the simple fact they did not ignore the call but they responded in obedience to the word of the Lord. Can I tell you, you can sit here this morning and say I want a revival but you'll never have one. You can sit here and say I want my family delivered but they'll never be delivered until you begin to walk in obedience to the call of God. Listen this morning, a government transfer is not gonna change your situation but what will change your situation is when somebody will say yes to God and begin to follow after him with everything in their being. A call and a response this morning. It's time not to only awaken, but it's time to go. John chapter number four, verse 35 and the following. says, say not ye that there are yet four months and then cometh harvest. But behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And here is, is that saying true? One soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to, to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and you're entered into their labors. Please hear me. I want to say this this morning. The generation before us, they heard the call, and they responded. There was a generation of planters. They tilled the land. They removed the rocks from the land. They labored, they sweated, they prepared. And then they began to water it. And God has begun to breathe upon it and now it's standing. They served faithfully. Most of the ministers and the saints of old that made up the church in the Whitewater Valley when I was a child is no longer with us, Brother John. They finished their race in their home. And they believed that God was going to do something, but yet they never saw the harvest. But faithfully, they kept going to the field. They kept pulling the weeds. They kept making sure everything was the way it should have been. Did they do everything perfectly? No. But they did things with purity. 
And it is in this season that we have entered into a time of a last day harvest. And God says, I need you to answer the call like they answered their call because if you answer the call, you're not going to have to till the ground. You're not going to have to plant the seed, but you're going to be the one that brings in the harvest and you are going to be reaping from their labors. Please hear me. And that's why there can be rejoicing of two generations. Notice, the generations before us, they have labored in prayer for this very hour that we now are in. And we must not refuse to allow, we must refuse to allow the harvest to remain in the field. You've heard me say this before. William Seymour, on one coast of our nation. Charles Bortman, on the other coast of our nation. Around the year 1918, began to stand, began to speak under the unction of the Holy Spirit. And said these words, in just a little over a hundred years, there will be a move of God that makes this move of God pale in comparison. We are living in that window of harvest as we speak. For the last hundred years, men and women have labored. They have given. They have served. They answered the call. And they responded. But today, we find ourselves at a crossroads and have to ask, how will we respond? Solomon writes in Proverbs chapter 10, verse number 5, He that gathereth in the summer is a wise son, but it goes a little further and says, But he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causes shame. May I ask this question at the danger of being too blunt this morning? Does it bother you today when you see the condition of those that have yet to find Jesus? I went and seen my grandson yesterday. I spent the day with my granddaughter. It was awesome. But I put my grandson on a bicycle and me and him took a little ride through their neighborhood. We just having a big old time. And I come around the curve and I, not a child, but I saw a, a man in his 20s, mid to late 20s, walking down the road. with cat ears on his head and a tire that trying to be something that makes no sense at all. As I pedaled by him, my heart began to break 
The enemy has brought such confusion to a generation that they have no idea who they are and they're blinded by demonic, oppressing spirits. And if we're not careful, the church will sidestep to the other side of the road so that we don't have to engage when we're the only hope that they have. It is not enough for us to say, touch them, Jesus. But we must go into the world and harvest them. Matthew 9, 37 and 38 tells us that the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. You know why the labors are few? Is because it has to require a man and a woman to deny the pleasures that they love so that they can roll up their sleeves and begin to work for the kingdom. I'm not against rest and relaxation. We need it. It's biblically instructed for us to have a day of rest. I don't abide by that too well. God forgive me. But we're instructed. But we're not instructed to rest every day. We're not instructed to be men and women that are drunk on it. We must have eyes that see and minds that think and ears that hear and hearts that feel. We must have lips that speak and hands that extend and we must have feet that will go. I ask you today, now that we have once again heard this call, how will we respond? I know it's a little sobering this morning, but I have to be honest and real with you. The current approach has not nor will it ever work. The time for you and I to pick up the baton and move into the field is now, not tomorrow. I want to show you a photo this morning. If Landon will put it on the screen for me. Just a few days ago, on the right is my friend. He's from South Korea. His name is Steve Beck. He's left the comforts of his life and he has given himself to taking care of handicapped children as well as equipping young men and women for the harvest. Has a school of ministry. The young lady in the center, I'm going to call her Carrie today. I will not give you her full name today. But Carrie is just now turned 23 years old. She's a Persian. Her family lives in Iran. She has been equipped and is in training for the gospel message of Jesus Christ. She surrendered her life to the Lord. And because of her encounter with the Lord and because of the call of Scripture, Carrie has went home on a couple of occasions to visit 
but then came back. But the first of the year, Brother Steve is releasing her, and she is going into her native land to do nothing more than to gather a harvest. Please hear me. If Carrie encounters resistance, that beautiful, precious young lady has a very good chance of after she gets into her nation within 18 months, she will be in a hard labor camp or she will be dead for taking the message to Jesus, for Jesus. But she is excited. She is raring to go because she didn't hear something here. She heard something here. And she's saying this, I will respond. Please hear me today. Do you have the other photo I sent you? This is a young life group that I spent a few hours with just a few days ago. I wish you could really zoom in on that and see the smile and the laughter. They're not laughing and full of energy in life because we played some games and goofed off for a few hours, but they're that exuberant and full of life because they had sat at our feet for two and a half hours and soaked up the Word of God. And there's many different kindreds there, and they're all going to designated places, and they're all putting their lives on the line for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then you and I in our comfort... Say, let the preacher do that. I don't have time for that. It's really not important. They're not going to serve God anyway. We prayed for them for 50 years. Can I tell you, listen. There's a harvest. There's a harvest outside these walls. You don't have to travel 7,000 miles to find a harvest. You don't have to travel seven miles to find a harvest. But when was the last time that we saw that much laughter and joy about the things of God? We get together, have a good time, and I'm not saying that, and we should. But what about the excitement for the harvest? Matthew 22, verses 9 and 10, and I'm going to bring this to a close. It says, Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as you shall find, bid to the marriage so those servants went out into the highways and they gathered all of them together as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. You read in Luke chapter number 14 of a man that had a gathering, had a supper. He said, I want you to go invite some folks. And the one guy said, well, I just bought some property and I got to go make sure it's good. And 
Another guy came to me he said, well, I just bought some oxen. I got to take care of them. And then the third guy that he went to and he said, well, I've got a wife. I got to go take care of her and the family. And came back and he said, nobody comes. And then you find in Luke chapter number 14, he says, go to the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, meaning love them in such a manner that they want to come, that my house may be filled. But then there was a warning in that verse and it simply says I got to say something to you he said all of those that I bid to come that ignored my call notice what it says none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper you and I today have to understand if we walk in disobedience to the call of God we will never eat of his supper I know it's weighty this morning and I'd like to preach something that made you feel good this morning but please hear me you and I find ourselves at a crossroads our nation is spiraling out of control our platforms in America are being defiled by garbage and filth. And we wonder why our children and our grandchildren are in such disarray. Listen, I have to sound the alarm this morning. I have to tell you that if it isn't biblically in alignment, you don't need it in your life. I'm not against methods. I'm not against different personalities. But what I am against is the fact that the church is running after those of the world just trying to get some status, just trying to get some attention. I don't need the world to help me get some attention. What I need is the Holy Ghost uh, to empower me and equip me to let me begin to burn with an anointing so that I become attractive again to the world in the midst of darkness. Uh, can I tell you, I see so much taking place in this hour and everybody's saying, well, we'll give some... Listen, I I, I, I don't want to fall out with you this morning, but I got to tell you something. If you're waiting for the world to give you an answer, uh, you are going to be greatly disappointed. Uh, but if you'll call out to Jesus this morning, uh, he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, uh, and he will still make a way in the desert. Uh, he'll still make waters flow. Uh, he'll still let healing virtue run. Uh, but can I tell you, we have lost our way in so much. Uh, we just want to have another thing to make us feel good. Uh, we just want to create another conference for another uh, another just a, a, a an infusion of excitement uh, there is no anointing there is no deliverance there is no hoping uh, looking towards the harvest can I tell you uh, if you want to have a good service let's have a good service uh, but then what uh, what are you going to do with it uh, the world is still dying and going to hell Hear me this morning, please. Hear my heart today. There's a world dying while we sit comfortably. But here's the good news. They don't have to die. But somebody has to go to the harvest and bring them to a place of safety. While this is needed and this is important, this is not where the majority of ministry 
is to take place. But you are his hands and his feet. And you and I have a responsibility of bringing in a harvest. I'm going to get real close to you in closing today. How many people have you led to Jesus this week? How many people have you prayed with this week? How many people have you shared your faith with this week? Don't give me this line. Oh, nobody wants to hear it. You're just not bold enough to do it. Because we're believing the lies of the enemy. Hear me. In the last two weeks, I've stood on street corners with Iranians, Russians, Armenians, folks from India, folks from Pakistan, folks from Syria, and several others. And there was no barrier. You hear me? It's something that the enemy has lied and convinced us that nobody wants to hear. But you and I today must understand that there has to be a gathering take place. And that gathering doesn't take place until somebody's willing to go. I was asked yesterday, Pastor Russell, how... How much longer are you going to travel? How much longer are you going to do what you're doing? I said, until I can't. I was ready to come home, see my lovely wife, and see my children and my grandchildren. But I'll be honest with you, it was hard for me to get on a plane to come home. Last week, about this time, I stood on a platform and I poured my heart out. And I noticed a stirring and a moving that I've never met, no, never experienced in five years have been in that part of the world. Under the threat of war, hearing all of the stories and experiencing the death and all of the uncertainty. After standing on the border of Iran and Georgia and Turkey and been in the mountains of Noah's land and been in an international city with all kinds of food spread before you, been treated like a king, and then going to the mountains and been fed a boiled egg and a piece of cheese and a slice of bread. Through all of it, 
I began to see a stirring in the congregation. I saw old men and old women of the church lay their head forward and begin to sob like babies. I began to see young adults as I began to preach, and they was not, they're not normally this emotional at all, never experienced it in that part of the world, in any place I've ever been. They began to stand, and they began to reach out as I was ministering, and they could not wait for an altar. And they jumped over seats and began to run to the front of the building. But then I saw a third group of people middle-aged people sit unconcerned calloused by this world that have bought in and believed the lies of the enemy that nothing will ever change and they sit unmoved the call was given to all but not all responded I can't make you do anything this morning, nor do I want to. All I can do is issue a call. Now you have to choose to respond. Here's what I know. You can go through the religious formality and be miserable. You can fool yourself. We can come to this house on Wednesday. We can come back next Sunday. We can do it all again. And we'll still be empty. We'll still have voids. And we'll still say, God, where are you? Or we can hear the call of God and we can become his hands and feet. And we can become the church that we've been called and destined to be. And we can decide today that we will not be a church that sits, but that we will be a church that goes. And we can begin to experience the blessings and the favor and the anointing and the excitement of God. And we can see a harvest. But we have to choose. I wonder today, will we choose correctly? Let me caution you this morning. If you choose, it requires something. It's going to require you and I the same thing that it required Simon and Andrew and the others. They had to forsake their nets. I wonder today, are we really willing to forsake some things? You and I must understand the strategic place that we find ourselves. We are in a place, we are in a window of opportunity, and an opportunity does not last forever. But we are behind already. For over a month, the young people in the church in Iran has been in the streets. They've been beaten, but they have crossed a place where they cannot go back. And there is something getting ready to change in that part of the earth. And I firmly believe, along with others, 
in our times of prayer, I believe that the curtain is falling in Iran and the border is getting ready to be open. And there is a wealth of the Holy Spirit getting ready to sweep that land. And I think we're less than five years from it. But do we understand that the harvest there is important? That's just one example. But in order for us to fulfill the commission, because I've made a commitment that when that opens up, I'm committed, I'm going to go. I'm going to be part of the first wave that goes in. We've got houses on the border. We've got training centers that's already been in operation. Brother Jacob is laboring daily. But he said, go home. Tell somebody that wants to change the world to learn. Learn a language so they can be your voice when you go in. I just wonder, is anybody in here willing to learn Farsi this morning? To, to forsake your net to just get outside the box and say you know what all that matters is Jesus all that matters is reaching a world you say that's crazy preacher don't you dare ask my child to do that I'm not asking them to do anything, but the Holy Spirit is asking people all around this globe to do that. But if we're not careful, we're keeping their life so busy with the things of the world that doesn't matter, they can't even hear a still small voice that says, apply yourself for what's about to take place in the earth. This morning, the call and the response. As we stand all over the house this morning, I could go on and on and on today. Simon, oh Simon. See, I'm not talking to everybody this morning. I'm just talking to Simon and Andrew. Simon and Andrew, will you come and follow me? If you will, I'll make you fishers of men. I'll change your world. You won't have to deal with this net. You won't have to deal with those ugly worms anymore. Yeah, but I, I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm going to let you experience something great and powerful. I'm not asking you to come and hang out with me. We'll have some barbecue. Yes, we will. We'll have some pizza. Yes, we will. But that's not what I'm asking you to do this morning. But I'm asking you, to: will you answer the call of God? Will you go to your neighborhood? Will you go to your city? Will you go to your state? Will you go to your nation? Will you go to the nations of the world? 
Oh, but preacher, I've got all of this responsibility and I've got all of this that is requiring of me and, and I've got this path and I've got this going and I've got that going. Listen, Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added to you. You tired of the lack in your life this morning? Seek God first. You tired of the dull Christianity that's known in America today? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. It's exciting. Listen, you get to eat food that you don't even know what it is. You listen to people talking, you don't know what they say. Listen, it's exciting. You travel miles, listen. You know, it's all glamorous. Everybody thinks, they all tell me I go on vacation. You ride an airplane for 24 hours, and let me tell you, listen, it's not all fun and games, but it is all adventurous. And it's amazing. You find out God has people everywhere. And they're willing to go to the harvest, and they're willing to put it all on the line. I met a couple of young guys that gave their heart to the Lord, and I'm closing with this, I promise. They came back from the war of 2020. Mentally, they was messed up because they watched nearly 6,000 of their brothers in arms lose their life in 2020. That's messed up. That number may not sound large to you and I, but when you do the math... Considering they got 3 million people in Armenia and they lost right at 6,000, you do the math per capita, that's the equivalent of them losing more men than we lost in both world wars. Think about it. It shook their nation. I went by the cemetery where many of them were buried. But they came back, they found Jesus. They began to talk to the others that they were serving with and they didn't birth a baby they one said it like this they birthed an elephant within a matter of just a few weeks they had 200 people gathering and saying we've got to bring help and healing it's all because a couple have said we got to go to the harvest I wonder what would happen If this week, every one of us under the sound of my voice would focus on the harvest, what would next Sunday look like in this house? What if we all just got one this week? And then we got all of those to get one. Do you realize that within three weeks you'd be out of room? Think about it. Within a month, you'd be in a crisis situation because of the amount of the harvest. But are we concerned? Here's what I want us to understand today. God's calling us. He's not calling us to engage in religious activity, but he's calling us to go get a harvest because they're ready. They've tried everything else. Everything else has disappointed them. Everything else has left them in a broken state. 
That's why there's a move of God in that part of the world today is because Islam has failed them. Every other idol God has failed them. Every politician has failed them. And they're open. They're looking. They're searching for something. Can I tell you, your family's tried everything. You just need to give them Jesus. You don't need to give them religion. You need to give them Jesus. You need to go compel them this week to come in. One of the things that Ephesus experienced along many other churches was the fact that they needed to learn how to love again. You and I got to understand we must express the love of Christ in this hour. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning just for a moment. I pray this morning you hear the call. I'm not here angry. I'm not here saying we're doing it all wrong. We're doing a lot of things right. But all the things we're doing right means nothing if we don't go to the harvest. So this morning I pray that you hear the heart of God in your spirit. And I just wonder this morning. And I'm not saying everybody has to be a preacher. I'm not saying everybody has to hold an office. But we're called to be ambassadors for the kingdom. I just wonder if there's anybody under the sound of my voice today that say, I hear the call. And I'll respond. And I'll go. If you're under the sound of my voice this morning and you'd say this, Preacher, I want him to know that he can count on me, that I'll go to the harvest. I'm simply going to ask you to step from your seat and come and stand in the front of this building right now. Faith without works is dead. I want an act of faith this morning. Or you say, I'll go to the harvest. How do you go to the harvest? You do that when you're when you go to your place of employment, when you go into the circle of life that you're in. I know it may be a little scary. I know it may be a little overwhelming. this morning he didn't give us a spirit of fear but of love and power and of a sound mind hey everyone it's Pastor Jay Abrams here I want to thank you for watching today please feel free to like and subscribe or find us on our other social media platforms and we pray God's blessings your way you have a great day we'll see you next time